This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3621, for Monday, the 20th of June, 2022. Today's show is entitled, Watching YouTube in 2022. It is part of the series YouTube Subscriptions. It is the 140th show of Dave Morris, and is about 21 minutes long. It carries an explicit flag. The summary is... A few of the channels that distracted me through COVID-19 and beyond. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hacker Public Radio. This is Dave Morris. This time, I suddenly realized that I'd been watching loads of YouTube videos in the past couple of years, which um, I thought might be interesting because... When I've do, when I've produced lists like this in the past, uh, there's been a modicum of interest in it. It's always good to know what other people are watching. So, so I've entitled this uh, "Watching YouTube in 2022," and it starts with the heading "Another YouTube List." Yes, smiley face. Anyway, I found myself watching YouTube a lot during the the past two years or so during the pandemic, and also the the world falling apart in so many ways, as I'm sure you're aware. YouTube has been something of a lifeline in past years for me, and it helps me find stuff I actually want to watch, which mostly doesn't have all the fake crap that's on TV. I really have reached the point where I, I, I can't stand TV. I may be throwing away a number of babies with that bathwater, but I can't fight my way through the TV way of doing everything. YouTube ain't perfect, and I do really detest the trend towards shorts, like 30 seconds of somebody doing a thing. What the hell is the point of that? It's like seeing a glimpse of them as you whiz past in a car or on the train. What is the point? But they seem to be amazingly popular. don't know. The channels that I chose in the past couple of years were different from ones I'd chosen before I was really heavily into maker stuff and uh, I'm not I'm watching them but not not to the same degree but uh, I wanted to know what was going on with the pandemic I'm not going to expose those ones to you because I'm sure you've had enough pandemic stuff but there's also a fair bit about the the state of the world in terms of politics now I know that HBR doesn't like politics very much so I, I it's hard to live without there being politics of some form and unless you hide under a blanket all the time it's really hard to avoid so I'm trying to change what was my old mindset of blanket pulling overhead and move on to something which lets me understand what's going on and of course there's climate change as well which is another instance of a horror that's coming so I did that, plus also I added some more distractions, because sometimes you want to just watch something that puts a smile on your face, makes you feel happier. I'm only sharing eight channels this time. I think I've hit you with, I don't know, 20, 30 in the past, but I ain't doing that this time. Let me just go through them. I'm going to just speak about them briefly and uh, give you a pointer to them if you if, if they sound interesting. I'm, my notes pretty much cover what I'm going to say as well, the thing I tend to do. First channel then, it's called Just Have a Think. The guy who runs it, Dave Borlase, he talks about climate and sustainable energy. 
that type of thing. So he does some excellent research and explains really, really well. There's only one a week, usually. I think there's there's a few instances where he puts out a second one in a week, but that's relatively rare, as far as I can find out. They are quite positive, um, mostly, anyway. And uh, he seems to be quite hopeful that we can come up with technological ways, perhaps, to stave off the effects of climate change. We're not going to lose them all, but we're going to maybe be able to slow them down and eventually stop the whole nonsense hopefully so in recent episodes he's talked about the ipcc survival guide which uh, is has come out within the past year i think and um you should really check that one out actually because if you haven't been following what the ipcc has been doing they've actually been very helpful in pointing ways forward which will be ignored by many countries i'm sure but still, anyway, don't, don't want to be too negative about this. He's also spoken about plastic-eating enzymes, which uh, discovered bacteria that will eat plastic, effectively, uh, or break it down into components that can be useful to them. So there's some hope there that maybe we can get rid of all the accursed plastic everywhere. And he's also spoken about CO2 removal from the oceans, which is a, a possibility. Most of the CO2 that's not in the atmosphere is in the ocean so if you got it out of there it would help but i don't want to paraphrase what he said go and have a look if you if that sounds interesting i won't read out the link it's there for, for you to click next one number two is called undecided with matt ferrell now the host too is obviously matt ferrell looks at how smart and sustainable technology impacts our lives so he's tending to be looking at it from a climate energy type of viewpoint and he's also really clear-sighted and researches extremely well one a week and he's looking at technology in the world context rather than just sort of talking about the latest widget or gadget or something that we should all have there's also a podcast that he does with his elder brother sean called still to be determined i listened to that find it pretty damn good recently he has produced some episodes, I'm, I'm not going to do them in sort of chronological order, anything, just to sort of give you some ideas of what he, what he does. He's done one on an improved method of generating green hydrogen. He's also been looking at the use of machine learning to boost renewable energy generation and reduce costs of wind farms. And he's also been looking, it's a quite a negative one, at how plastic re- recycling is really a scam because it's just being taken away in a different bin or bucket or whatever and chucked on the la- in the landfill, I think, in most cases. Or sent to China for many, many years. They've now rejected it. So I've got the YouTube link and the podcast link here for you if, you sound, if they sound interesting. Another one which is more political, Second Thought. This is a channel devoted to education and analysis of current events from a socialist perspective. Well, I think I'm, my perspective is quite socialist. I don't really call myself a socialist, but certainly anti-capitalist. And these sympathies of mine fit well with, with the contents of this channel. So I'm finding myself learning from this, and it's really well done. And there's a, a lot of effort going into uh, producing this. I should say maybe that quite a number of these channels that I 
particularly like I have become a patri pa- a patron patriarch patreon patron so you know I'd like to make some contributions towards them a couple of recent episode titles from second thought one is what if we just stop working why do we work <laughs> is the question well to make money but it's not as simple as that really but I, I won't I, I won't go off on a diatribe about that see what you think if you can take watching that then you might find it quite revealing and he also talks about how consulting firms secretly run entire countries some very interesting viewpoints here I don't know the name of the host I'm afraid I didn't make a note of it anyway next is I don't know whether you'd call it economics it's also quite political and it's called the channel's called Democracy at Work the the main host on this is Professor Richard D. Wolfe, who is, um, I've heard him on the some American radio stations I listen to. He, he seems, seems to be popping up in lectures and that sort of thing, so he's got a lot to say. Quite interesting stuff. His channel, I've, I've put the channel description in here, and it says that, Demo- that Democracy at Work is a non-profit 501c3 that produces media and live events. Our work analyzes capitalism critically as a systemic problem and advocates for democratizing workplaces as part of a systemic solution. I won't read it all, but uh, I think you've probably got the gist of it. So he's he does do some excellent analyses of what is going on in the world from the point of view of economics. He concentrates on the USA, of course, but he also points out that there's a lot of similarities in the UK as well. There are other presenters on the channel. Dr. Harriet Frad does a series of talks with the heading Capitalism Hits Home. And Professor David Har- Harvey does a series called The Anti-Capitalist Chronicle. He's an interesting guy. He's a originally, anyway, a British academic who I've come across before. Definitely learned a lot from, from that channel. See what you think. Moving on to some lighter weight stuff. I stumbled across a channel called AT Restoration, and it's run by a guy called Arti, A-H-T-I, who's located in Estonia. And he's a furniture restorer, and he makes stuff. Well, the quality of what he does is amazing. I do enjoy watching people making stuff, and repairing stuff is also pretty exciting. He takes what looked like complete wrecks, wrecked piece of furniture totally ruined and he turns them into beautiful items and uh, the way he does this is astonishing you can certainly learn a lot if you, if you want to ever repair something in your in your house a wooden a wooden piece of furniture most likely he does some restorations for clients but some for himself as well and in recent episodes he restored an art novu chair which must have been I don't know, 100 years old, something of that sort of age, looking really, really wrecked. But he managed to take it apart and put it back together again with massive improvements. He had a mirror seat, a really tall mirror with a sort of uh, bench seat in front of it, and cupboard underneath, drawers underneath, I think, which had been water damaged, so all the veneer had fallen off and everything. The client wanted it to be repaired, but didn't want it to look new and shiny. So the way he handled that was quite interesting. And the third one he did for himself was a 19th century coffee grinder, which uh, did require some metal work as well as uh, a fair bit of woodwork. But it's 
it's great how he manages to turn what you would class as junk into into something uh, quite admirable. Channel number six in my list is just entitled Marty T, which is the guy's name, the host's name. And in his description he says, I started this channel to share my ideas, creation, adventures, and to show people how easy it is to live off the grid and save money. So Marty, this host, he lives with his family in the north of the South Island of New Zealand. The area is called Marlborough Sounds, which is um, right up in the, the top, the north uh, west of the area, where there's lots of amazing hills, high hills, small mountains, and uh, uh, inlets and fjords and that, that type of thing. It looks gorgeous. But they live out on a hillside, and... Um, I don't know quite what, what he does for, for work. I think he manages the land. He's got a lot of land. Anyway, he shows how he recovers old abandoned machines like tractors and ex- excavators. And then he puts them to use on his land where he does a fair bit of logging. So I imagine that um, some of the species there have been planted. Not sure. The family live in a house which is off-grid and their electricity comes from a turbine that he built from a, an abandoned scrapped washing machine. So he put a turbine in it, one of these things with spoon-shaped things that catch the, the water, and he's got a, he's got a fairly fast-flowing stream that runs down the, the hill uh, that he attaches it to. So I think that and a, and a generator provide for, for all of their, their power to run everything in the house. It's amazing. It looks like everybody in New Zealand that, that's away from the cities is doing the same sort of thing because people seem to have had all manner of heavy equipment like bulldozers and uh, excavators and whatever, which they've used perhaps in a farming context, but also people seem to be up on these hillsides cutting their own roadways uh, and that type of thing and when they break down they just sort of abandon them and he goes and rescues them and brings them back to life again these old machines a couple of highlights I've pointed out there's lots he, he's not producing uh, frequent episodes but he's got a lot to look back at so I've been binging his older older episode one I particularly enjoyed was salvaging an abandoned TD9 bulldozer from the forest will it start? Well, the answer is, I'll let you find that out if it sounds interesting. The other one was salvaging an abandoned tractor, David Brown, 25. Just the sight of somebody sort of forging out into the... It's not jungle. It's um, sort of rainforesty stuff, but it's... uh, it's, Yeah, it's distinctly New Zealand. (laughs) And uh, just going out there and finding these things covered in bushes and then extracting it and driving it back home is astonishing I, I just love that I wish I could do that my uh, attempts to improve machinery like that has always led to failure number seven Jeff Gearling you might have come across him before he's a, a techie guy who does quite a lot of stuff of a technical nature involving Raspberry Pi a lot of the time but not exclusively and he's got lots of projects and ideas to teach you things for example, he was the one who made me aware of the Turing Pi, which is a board which can take multiple Raspberry Pi compute modules and form a, form a cluster. So he's, he 
he's got compute modules and all the other types of Raspberry Pis as well. So in the past few months, he's done two two shows that uh, stand out. Top 10 Raspberry Pi projects for 2022 is an interesting thing. And also the Petabyte Pi project, where he's, he has got, he's got some sponsored disks, which he's putting into a, an array, which he's managing with a, a Pi, several Pis. I'm not sure exactly. I've forgotten. But uh, a petabyte of disk space is involved. <laughs> It's not going to be the quickest thing in the world, but certainly uh, intriguing. Last one then. This always puts a smile on my face, this one. At the end, anyway, because it's a bit uh, bit unpleasant in some respects. It's from... It's, the channel's called Ocean Conservation Namibia. And um, the description says, Ocean Conservation Namibia is dedicated to the protection of Namibia's marine wildlife. That's hard to say. OCN was started by... An, and I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, Naude. I think it's the French in the African area, they call him Nadia. Anyway, and his wife Katya Drea, they started in January 2020 to create global awareness of ocean and plastic pollution and its horrible and avoidable impact on animals, and specifically seals. So all along the coast where he and his team do their apply their trade is um, where there are many fur seals and uh, in huge, great big um, herds, whatever, I'm not sure what the collective word is, what they do is they go out on a daily basis and scout the, the, the groups of seals to see if there's any that are entangled in plastic or any other items. So they're, they're at a distance with binoculars. If they spot anything like that, they uh, run in with large nets on, on poles and grab the animals some of which can be massive. The bulls get to be a hell of a size. But quite a lot of pups, especially the latest ones. Fairly grown pups, mind you. But uh, Anyway, they, they find them in wound up in all manner of entanglements. They reckon that the seals find these sort of loops and hoops and nets and whatever and play with them, and then eventually they get their heads stuck in them or they get looped around with it. And... Um, if that goes on for any length of time, especially on a younger seal, which is growing, the the plastic will cut into them and eventually kill them. They, there's, they often often spot dead seals which are, which are entangled. But a lot of times they are rescuing these guys, and so they take the plastic off, whatever it is that they need to do, and then let the, the seal free again. So three recent ones that I thought you might be interested in was one very recent where the t- I've just used the titles here rescuers use saw to save baby seal very headliney but you know it's good what they had to do here was there was a seal that got his head stuck in a plastic spool that fishing line would have been in and it must have put his head in when it was smaller it was a young pup and now it's grown into it, it can't get, it's no way it's going to get out and as it grows it'll, it'll be killed it won't be able to fish or eat and soon not be able to breathe so they 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 use a a uh, a tool with a saw in it to cut this off very very carefully. Another one hook in seal's eye tied to another seal. These seals often encounter uh, discarded fishing tackle, which includes lead weights and hooks. This one was not in the eye per se, but was in the the eyelid, and luckily it had no barbs on it. So they, once they caught it, they were able to take the um, the hook out. 
so that they, the two seals who were tied together this way were were rescued. And the, the last one, seal entangled in baller fishing line, you'll often see that, where for some reason or other, these really heavy-duty lines, unbreakable stuff for commercial fishing, get chucked in the sea or fall in the sea and just make a sort of knot of this stuff. Presumably the seals get caught up in them when they're fishing or when they're playing or something. But uh, once they're in, they're not going to get out without help. So, yeah, it's really positive. Of course, they, they rescue a lot. They do get um, a lot of, uh, of seals out of these these things. But it just gives you an indication of how much crap there is out there in the sea to um, trap unwary animals and uh, do them a mischief. I usually come away from it with a smile on my face, even though I might have been a bit, bit horrified by what's happened to the poor seals along the way. But um, that's it. That's it. So I hope you find these channels interesting and uh, maybe useful and in some cases positive, in some cases a bit too close to reality, but uh, hope you persevere anyway. So that's it. Okay. Bye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons attribution. 4.0 international license.